three, two, one. Hello and thanks for joining us on Kentucky Caliber. We didn't do a show last week for for this podcast, and the reason why is the folks asked me how come I didn't do. I've been we've been pretty consistent this year. We've done one show a week pretty much all year, and so last week was the first time that I didn't have one. And I got I had folks ask me how come. Well, I'm also doing a podcast as the host for an organization called Veterans for Responsible Leadership, and that is a nonpartisan group of veterans dedicated towards, just as the title says, getting uh, holding elected officials accountable when they do not exhibit uh, responsible leadership. So I actually did our first podcast for them, and I just recorded that, and with the uh, the president and founder, a great individual named uh, Dr. Dan Barkoff, who's a, a former Navy SEAL. He's now an emergency room uh, physician, but before that, he, he served on active duty for several years as a Navy SEAL, and so we had a great discussion uh, for that, there's also the possibility. So I'm going to be doing that for sure for the next few months, and hopefully for the next year or two. Um, there's also a good possibility I'm going to start doing a new podcast for the Big Sandy Heritage Museum, and that will focus on the history of the Big Sandy region, which is uh, Eastern Kentucky and part of West Virginia. I'm not sure exactly when that may get started. But it looks promising that we'll get to do that one. So I, that's going to be an exciting project, too. And uh, so those are some of the reasons why, excuse me, we had a delay uh, or didn't get a, a good show done last week. But we're back on this week. And the easy topic, I think, uh, to focus on most recently is the um, the launching and unveiling of the James Webb Telescope. And that's sort of one I wanted to talk about today because it's such a significant advance. Um, you know, I remember... Back when I was growing up, and you know, when those of us who were kids in the 80s, we, we looked forward to the day when the much, at the time, the much-touted Hubble telescope would be launched, which would give us the ability to see other planets uh, in the galaxy and in the, in the cosmos. Previously, we, had, we knew they were there based on uh, data, but we couldn't actually see them. And so the Hubble gave us the ability to do that after 92. And since that time, in the intervening 30 years... Um, astronomers have identified thousands of other planets. Uh, so that, that's pretty significant by itself. You know, it was one thing to say we, we think they're out there, but we can't see them, and, and critics could have some pretty powerful uh, rebuttals by saying, well, you don't really know because you can't actually see them. Well, Hubble comes along, and now we can actually see them. And then uh, last week or week before when uh, the James Webb Telescope was launched, so now it's about 100 times more powerful than even the Hubble Telescope. So it allows us to see further into the cosmos than we ever have before. And even more significantly, the James Webb Telescope operates in the uh, spectrum of infrared light. Hubble doesn't really do that very well. Hubble mostly operates in the visible light spectrum, not infrared. And that's, that's a limitation of that, um, that device. And that's an important limitation because oftentimes... 
when we try to look out into space, into other galaxies or other parts of the cosmos, it's, it's frequently a problem that there could be dust or other debris in the way. So it's kind of blocking our view of what we're trying to look at. And Hubble wasn't really able to see through that kind of debris field very well. It could, but the image you get would be sort of limited and kind of blurry and incomplete. Whereas the James Webb Telescope, because it has a very powerful infrared capability, uh, infrared light goes right through that. So we can see it very crisply, very clearly, and you get a much more sharper image. You can see a lot better um, objects that are distant, if you're, even if you're looking through a cloud of dust or debris. Because the, the, the Earth example of that is, you know, evening sunset, when the sun starts to look a little bit redder, and you know it, it's easier to see it, it even looks a little bit brighter, and that's because that spectrum of that wavelength of light goes through um, debris and dust much easier, so you can see it um, a lot better. That's just an example. So it's good to have this new capability that will open up portions of the cosmos that previously we couldn't see. Uh, you know, imagine back in the day, and for biologists, and when they could not see viruses, uh, we knew they were there but they couldn't actually look at an individual virus. And then the electron microscope came along and they could see it. And so the ability to see what you're looking at is a leap forward because you're able to observe the actual structure of what you're, what you're studying. And that's a big advance, a big leap forward. And so it's the same thing is true for the Webb telescope. Now we can see, you know, stars and galaxies and other celestial objects in much greater detail than we could before. And that's important. That will grow our capability. It will increase our knowledge of the observable universe. And so you can expect over the next, um, just like Hubble transformed astronomy during the past 30 years, I think it's almost certain that the James Webb Telescope will continue that trend and uh, change astronomy again for the next 30 years. You know, Unless uh, something terrible happens and there's a disaster or the, uh, the telescope is damaged or malfunctions, as long as it continues to work as it's designed, as, as Hubble pretty much did, then it'll continue to send back all this new data that uh, astronomers can study. So it's, a, it's an awesome time. If you're a student or you're getting ready to go to school and, and you don't know what you want to major in, uh, boy, this would be a, a fantastic time to, uh, to select astronomy or even cosmology as, uh, as a field of study because there's going to be so much new information coming in. And I'll give you an example. And this is a real simple example. The Webb telescope is powerful enough that it can detect the presence of water vapor on other planets, on exoplanets. And in fact, it has already done that. And that's significant because that the presence of water is one of the key requirements for the presence of life on other planets, so which we have not confirmed to date. But the ability to see water vapor and water on other planets is a first step towards gathering the kind of hard data we would need to make a strong case that there is evidence of biological life on other planets. And whether that's intelligent or life or not is another matter. Of course, you know, science fiction for a long time has speculated about that, but science itself has not been able to deliver uh, any hard evidence, and that's mainly because we just can't see it. Um, most likely, I should say, that's an assumption on my part. I want to be careful not to confuse uh, assumptions or, or what you want to find with what we've actually been able to see. Um, and so we haven't actually been able to find direct evidence of that. But then this new telescope can give us the ability to do that. If you think about 
what's put into Earth's atmosphere, for example, and if we think about climate change and the the signature, the chemical signature of pollutants that are released into the atmosphere, those are observable. And so that's if those same processes were being duplicated on exoplanets, which is just another way of saying another planet. So other planets out there, if they show signs of the same type of pollutants in the atmosphere, then we know from our own experience that the only way those chemical signatures could possibly be there is because of industrial processes, which is itself a, a pretty direct signature of intelligence because you have to have um, an intelligent life form undertaking that industry to release those pollutants into the atmosphere. So in other words, if, there's, if Earth isn't the only planet, hypothetically, if Earth isn't the only planet that has intelligent life on it and other planets do and they undertook similar industrial processes that we did here on Earth and released those into the atmosphere, then this telescope could see them. It could detect the chemical signature of that in the atmosphere of those planets. And so that's good news uh, in the sense that it's an increase in our ability to observe the distant universe. Of course, there's, there's so many planets and there's so many things to observe that it will still take a, a significant amount of time and effort to go through the data that the James Webb Telescope will send will send to us here on Earth. So even though it's, it's great that we can see all these new things and that we can look at new parts of the universe or we can look at other parts of the universe that we'd already seen but in much better detail, it will take time um, to study all of that data to figure out exactly what has been revealed through these new images and new data that this, the telescope is gathering. So that's going to be probably at least a generation's uh, defining work in astronomy and so folks who, who are going to get access to that data for the first time will have the opportunity to make what could be some pretty neat discoveries. Um, and that's the great thing about science. You know, you don't know what you're going to discover. You don't even know really what's out there to be discovered. And so that's why it's really terrific that we have a, um, a piece of technology like this that will allow us to peer further into the, the cosmos than ever before, which I think fully uh, justifies the cost of the telescope itself and that's been an issue in Congress because actually completing the James Webb telescope cost a lot more than was initially estimated and there were delays in getting it uh, built and launched and functional and all those delays added more to the cost but I think we can see already just based on what's been revealed in the first couple of weeks that that was a price that was well worth the money so that was a good investment because it increases our knowledge of the universe, it increases our knowledge of the cosmos, and it gives us, uh, you know, a new powerful tool with which to gather data to answer some of the most fundamental questions we have about uh, life and, and the cosmos. Who's out there? What's out there? Who are we? Uh, how long have we been here? How long has the universe been, been around? And we're always learning new things about that. A good question that, that folks I've heard ask many times um, when astronomers say, well, thanks to the James Webb Telescope, we can now see, what, 13, I think, 0.8 billion years into the past, because that's the distance the light that, that has traveled that it can now see. And folks ask, well, how do you know that the light you're looking at is really that old? Um, and, and that's a great question. And the answer is a phenomenon called redshift. So light is kind of an interesting thing. It behaves like a wave. So if you think of waves, uh, whether it's at the beach or sound, you know, they have a, a peak 
and a trough, right? A wave, it goes up and down, up and down. And when you draw that out on a piece of paper or on a computer screen, you see those peaks and troughs, you recognize that pattern. And that's what we call, a, that's what we visually call a wave. That's what a wave is. So it goes up and down, up and down, over and over again. And so light behaves in that same way. But as time goes on, as the further, the longer, I should say, the longer light does that, there's a, there are slight changes to the height of those peaks and to the depths of the trough. And so you can measure that change. So we can look at it and it, it sort of stretches out. So the longer that wave is in existence, the longer that wave propagates, it's sort of the peaks, they kind of get stretched out a little bit towards the red side of the uh, spectrum. And you can observe that. And we can measure how much that light has shifted. And so with that measurement, once you do that calculation, you know that it takes that long for the light to have shifted that far. And that's how you get the, the date. So that's how scientists are able to figure out, okay, we're looking at you know, a light source that's 13.8 billion years old versus one that's only 2 billion years old or a few million years old. Um, they simply look at the red shift, calculate the distance that the, the light has changed, and from that you know how far or rather how long that light has been traveling. So that gives us um, what in computer terms will be called a timestamp. So that's how we know the age of, of what we're looking at. And so it's pretty amazing to think, um, you know, even one light year is an is a enormous distance. That's a huge amount of space and time. I mean, the number is, is just enormous for just one light year. And so, you know, billions of light years, you're talking a, a distance that's almost unimaginably large. Uh, on a cosmic scale and that light has traveled through that distance for that long for us to observe it here on earth is just it's just pretty amazing if you think about it it's just fascinating that we're able to see that and so we wonder you know what else this um this new piece of technology is going to uncover and what new discoveries it might unearth so even though we're living through you know, some fairly tumultuous times here on Earth with things that are happening in terms of pandemics or wars and a political upheaval or economic inequality and social injustice, all of those things are, are, are real and are, are concerning. But it is nice to be able to look up um, to the sky and have a new source of knowledge which might be able to um, sort of make us feel a little better, I guess, uh, about... Uh, our place in the uh, in the universe. It's just it's just nice to have that um, perspective and that that growth and that leap forward um, in knowledge to help us to help us get a little bit of perspective on our on our own problems. And it's not just the Webb telescope. Um, the, the rovers on Mars have been able to detect what appears to be, based on the evidence they've gathered so far, um, evidence of ancient uh, surface water on Mars. And so if you take that together with things like water vapor being observed in the atmosphere of exoplanets from the, the James Webb Telescope and the, um, the measurements that indicate pretty strongly that there's, there could be liquid water on some of Jupiter's moons, frozen water um, on Mars, and certainly an abundant amount of liquid water here on Earth, those things taken together tend to suggest that water is not limited just to planet Earth. And so previously, you know, when I grew up, that was sort of the thinking. It was like we, we it, it's only, you know, water as we, liquid water, and that's necessary for life. It only exists on Earth. And if, if that's your level of knowledge, then it's pretty difficult to, under, to really think that um, life could exist anywhere else. But now, even as we, we've gone in the past 30 years, 
to gathering evidence that water either in a frozen form still exists or in a liquid form used to exist um, on other celestial bodies or even in the case of Jupiter's moons it's probable that that liquid water is still there today it's just underneath a sheet of ice um, much like subglacial lakes uh, in Antarctica here on Earth so those are, are pretty uh, encouraging for folks who are looking for um, evidence that other celestial bodies out there besides Earth could sustain biological life or support biological life. How long will it take until we're able to gather direct hard evidence that that is in fact the case is a question that remains unanswered. That's certainly something that could happen within the next 30 years. And if we were to come up with a, a telescope even more powerful than the James Webb, then we might even have the ability to do so uh, in a lesser time frame than that. So it's an exciting time for, uh, for science and for astronomy in particular. Uh, even in the past few years, there have been some, some pretty significant events take place. Uh, the, the rover on Mars was one. The James Webb telescope being functional is another. So we'll just add that to our list um, you know, of our, our once-in-a-lifetime events that, we've, that we go through. So we're up to our, our fourth or our fifth uh, once-in-a-lifetime event just in the past uh, three or four years. But it's really good to know that some of those are positive, right? Not all of those have to be uh, disastrous, so to meet that qualification. So the once-in-a-lifetime event doesn't have to be a pandemic uh, or an invasion uh, or, or something like that. Um, it, it's good to know that there's some, some good ones out there, too, such as the uh, detection of uh, evidence of uh, previous liquid water on Mars or, or even water vapor on uh, distant planets. So I think that's really, that's really positive. Uh, so it's, it's something to give you a little bit of a pick-me-up um, if you're feeling kind of down about uh, the way things are going in the world. Um, science uh, has come through for us. Uh, in the past couple of years to give us some, some good news and some reasons to be a little bit more hopeful, uh, not just about the present, but also about the future too. And I think it's important that we keep an open mind to what, the, uh, what new images the James Webb Telescope might reveal. It's very possible that we will see things that we've never seen before or that we'll see things that science can't explain or identify. So we, we might come across a, a celestial structure or object uh, or image that we uh, we don't know what it is and we we're not sure where it came from and and that's a good thing that's that's how we learn more that's how we grow uh, and that's how we increase uh, our knowledge and I think that's that's very important um, without knowledge and without science and without information you know superstition starts to take over and once superstition takes over um, it invariably causes great harm uh, to those who uh, who believe their superstitions to be real and. History here is, has shown uh, too many examples of that to cite in one podcast. Um, so it's very important that we that we value the knowledge that science provides us, and that we recognize that those who have put their time and effort into creating a um, a piece of technology like the James Webb Telescope have done a great service uh, to mankind. And I look forward to seeing uh, what new things it may reveal. I think it's an exciting time. It's good to see that, and I'm glad it, it, it worked and all their efforts paid off and that the investment made by the taxpayers has already been uh, rewarded and already been proven uh, valid. So I can't wait to see what the future holds and can't wait to see what else uh, the, new, uh, the new telescope will uncover. So thanks for listening, and I hope everyone has a great week.